It's the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. Here we go with Malia Jacobson as your host. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. I'm your host, sleep and health journalist, Malia Jacobson. Today, we're going to continue our focus on teens and their sleep. And um, instead of our brain health expert who had a scheduling difficulty and couldn't make our interview, I am going to do something that I've been meaning to do and answer parent questions. I'm excited to have the opportunity to do this. Um, I've been getting parent questions about sleep for years. Um, As the sleep columnist for Parent Map Magazine, I write the Winx column for Parent Map Magazine. And I have also been the columnist for Metro Parent. Um, I write the Counting Sheep column. And I also have just gotten questions from readers uh, that I've answered on my blog over the years. So I have a number of questions um, and see the same questions over and over again when it comes to teens and their sleep. So I have a few that I am going to pull out and answer right here. Um, And I hope that this is helpful. So here we go. Question from a reader. Hi, Malia. Most of your que- most of your answers are about babies and toddlers, but I have two teenagers, 14 and 16. I'd love them to go to bed and wake up earlier. Any tips for better teen bedtimes? Okay, so teenagers are really too old for an actual bedtime. I think anyone with a teenager knows that telling them to go to bed at a certain time is just probably not going to work out. But teenagers do not outgrow the need for sleep. In fact, they actually need a little more sleep, uh, a little bit more than nine hours a night than they did as preteens. So yes, as teenagers grow from middle school to high school years, they actually do need a little bit more sleep. And so um, it it helps to keep that in mind as you're trying to support them in uh, staying healthy. If your teens are night owls, though, and don't seem to have the need to go to sleep early any longer, you can't blame them because it is a biological um, thing that happens in the teen years. Teens experience what doctors call a phase delay, and that pushes them to stay up later at night and sleep later in the morning. So it's just a biology, uh, it's their biology. And so that is the science behind the push toward later school start times for teenagers, um, getting up at five in the morning um, so that they can be in class at 7.30 a.m. And sometimes earlier if they have before school commitments um, just doesn't align with teens biology um, that's pushing them to stay up later and and sleep later in the morning. And so that's why later school times um, have been successful across the country. Uh, But that is a whole other topic. Um, So talking about teen bedtimes, to encourage them to get enough sleep, to get that nine, nine nine-ish hours that they need, uh, you can't simply order them to go to bed. Um, Research shows that teenagers and children in general are Um, more likely to kind of go along if they help set a guideline. Um, And so really just start by talking to your teen and asking them how much sleep they need, how much sleep they think they need to be happy and functional in the, during the day. Um, If they say, uh, you know, 10 hours, nine hours, just start to look at your daily schedule to see how you can help them make that happen. 
Um, that might mean shifting around some evening activities to carve out enough time for them to really wind down before bed. Um, there's There might be some things that you need to do as a family to prioritize that time for them. Um, and it, it, as with adults, it really is just about making that time for sleep to happen because, of course, we can't force ourselves or anyone else to sleep. Um, so you can just tell your teenager, you know, look, you can set your own bedtime, um, but here's what you have to be able to do. You have to be able to get up at a certain time during the day. You have to be functional um, and you have to be able, you have to be healthy. You can't be um, be fatigued and dragging and, and complaining to me all the time that you're tired. Um, if that's happening, then that, then that may, might mean that we need to take a look at that time. But, you know, that your teenager can really set, set the time that helps them um, be able to feel their best during the day. And then you as the parent or caregiver help to carve out some time um, around that in the, in the couple of hours preceding that time that your teen has picked for their, for their bedtime to create an evening routine or environment that supports that. So helping them stick to uh, an electronics curfew where they're they're putting away their phone and electronics, helping them um, build a schedule where they're not exercising too late at night. Um, they're not engaging in really stimulating activities, um, video games, um, a lot of friend texts and, and those interactions can kind of get teens worked up. Um, so just doing more quiet, independent activities at night to prepare for sleep. And that's what you can really do as the caregiver is helped to protect that time for them. Um, and then the bedtime and sleep time often kind of sorts itself out. And if it doesn't, then, then you can go back and take another look. Another question. My 14-year-old has been having trouble falling asleep at night. She used to fall asleep pretty regularly by nine, but the past few months, she's been staying up until 11 and sometimes later. We've agreed that 10 p.m. is a reasonable bedtime for her, but she's still having trouble. We always put away her electronics an hour before her bedtime, meaning her phone and tablet, but she still watches TV when she can't sleep. I know screens shouldn't be used before bedtime, but she doesn't want to read for hours on end, and she needs a way to pass the time when she's not ready for sleep. Is TV okay before bed, or could that be making her sleep issues worse? So that's a good question because the advice from experts is typically that all electronics should be avoided before bedtime, all screens should be avoided. And I think um, people are split on whether um, television constitutes uh, or whether TV falls into this, TV before bed. Um, we do know that the blue light from televisions and, and computer screens and electronics in general um, impacts our melatonin production and can delay our, our sleep schedule and affect our circadian rhythms. And for teenagers who are already experiencing this biological phase delay that's pushing them to stay up later, um, if they're struggling to fall asleep at night, um, of course, it stands to reason that um, electronic use before bed would make things worse. However, um, some experts, and, and I kind of fall into the camp of differentiating between television and um, phones and tablets. 
And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, uh, a phone um, or a tablet is going to be right in front of your face. It's going to be maybe a foot away from your face and you're going to be taking in more blue light because you're holding your those uh, personal devices so much closer to your face um, than a TV screen. A TV screen is um, you know set way back. Another reason is that a TV is a very passive activity and and it's something that is not going to kind of fire up um, your your brain. It's not interpersonal communication. It's not texting friends. It's not getting involved in social um, in the social dynamics that can be stimulating right before bed. It's a very passive activity. The heart rate slows um, as long as you're not watching really exciting content. You know. Um, it is something that can be relaxing for many people. Many people fall asleep with the TV on, you know, and um, well, this isn't a practice that is associated with great sleep hygiene. Um, it's not a habit that would be highly recommended. It is something that we have to say maybe is a gray area. Um, certainly um, no teenager wants to stay awake. I mean, a few teenagers will read for hours and hours on end. Um, and that's wonderful. But if your child is one who is uh, um, in the early teen years and is shifting into um, for, away from a childhood bedtime into a later bedtime, um, the rest of the family is kind of having downtime, getting ready for bed, and your 14-year-old is is wondering what they can do during that time. Watching TV is not a terrible thing. I would say that's preferable to them being on their phone, texting friends, playing video games, engaging in um, strenuous exercise, um, and a lot of other things that they can be doing. Um, so as long as the TV that they're watching is something that is, you know, pretty low key, nothing that's going to rev them up too much, um, and that maybe that goes on until maybe 10 p.m., and then they can um, do another quiet activity until they're ready to sleep around 11. Um, I certainly don't think that that's the worst thing, and, and it can be something that um, maybe ends up turning into a power struggle if you try and really, really limit that TV use um, before bed. So I would say set that electronic bedtime for the phone and the tablet, um, put those away, and and say, you know, if TV is happening in those hours um, before bed, that it's not the worst thing and um, and see how that goes. Another question. My 16-year-old has been sleeping until 11 a.m., noon, sometimes later for the past few months while school has been out. But he just got a summer job and he needs to be at work by 8 starting next week. I'm dreading the morning struggle of pulling him out of bed every morning how can we prepare for this change? This is such a common question. I think parents face this every August or September when their kids have to get up for school suddenly um, after being out of school for the summer. And it's something that kind of sneaks up on us. It sounds like this is a change that's just right around the corner for your family so you don't have that much time to prepare. And that's really okay. I think um, anytime we're talking about a schedule change, it's great if we have weeks and days to prepare, but you can also do it very quickly if you need to. And the way to do that is to um, focus on the wake-up time. Again, don't worry so much about the bedtime um, because 
for a number of reasons that I've already mentioned. Um, teenagers aren't really receptive to you trying to force them into bed at a certain time. It, it also doesn't work. Um, and so just kind of let the bedtime go for now. Focus on the wake-up time. And if he's sleeping until noon um, tomorrow or the next day, get him up at 11. Um, and then the day after that, 10.30. The day after that, 10.00. Um, if you don't have a few days or a week and you, you know, it's within a couple of days that he needs to get up, you might have to go cold turkey, just wake him up at nine the next morning. And then, you know, at seven the morning after that, and just know that, you know, yes, it'll be a tough day. He'll be tired, but he'll make it through. And the sleep drive that will help him go to sleep earlier, um, will kick in earlier. And so the bedtime will kind of sort itself out as long as you are creating that space and that opportunity for sleep, supporting good sleep hygiene, um, winding down electronics, um, keeping the house darker and quieter, um, creating that space for him to sleep when he needs to sleep. Um, the bedtime piece will sort itself out. And if he's starting a new job, especially after being home for a few months, he is probably going to be quite tired. Um, so you don't have to worry so much about that. But yep, just uh, go cold turkey more or less. Um, if you don't have time to do it gradually, um, wake him up in the morning. And if you do have time to do things a little more gradually, go about half an hour a day or half an hour every other day. And you can also, you know, use alarm clocks, use his phone or use, um, you, you know, use electronics to take some of the pressure off of you as the person that's having to wake him up. Or you may be at work, you might not even be at home, um, or you might be engaged in other things, you know, um, something like an Amazon Alexa or, um, any of these other, oh, there's my Alexa. It's going off right now. <laughs> um, or something like that. You can actually program that remotely or he can program it himself. You can, you know, if you think of it, you're at work, you can send a funny song to his his device at, you know, 9.30 a.m. that's going to wake him up. Or you can just program it once a week, have it done. Um, a lot of these things will help with actually with kids of any age. Um, when you're trying to shift wake up times, because it takes, you know, you don't have to be the bad guy. Um, it takes some of that pressure off of you and can really shift the family dynamic so that you're not so frustrated with having to um, be the person that's going in there and dragging, you know, dragging him out of bed or having to to constantly make this reminder in your schedule to go do it. Um, you can just give that chore to a, an electronic piece of equipment and um, and and have that be something that your child or your teenager takes more ownership of um, with any luck. So good luck with that. I know that it's tough, but you will um, probably only have to worry about it for a week or so, and then the schedule um, should sort itself out. Another question um, about shared bedrooms. Question. We recently moved and my 15-year-old will need to share a bedroom with her 12-year-old sister for the first time since they were much younger. They get along well, so my main concern is sleep. The 15-year-old stays up much later than her sister and also gets up much later as well. How can we manage this so that they both get enough rest and aren't fighting? So the shared bedroom question is a common one. And as families move and shift, sometimes teenagers will need to share a bedroom 
when they haven't done so before, or maybe they haven't done so since they were very small. And it can work really well. Um, I think people are sometimes really apprehensive about putting older kids in a room together, and there's a belief that teenagers need their own space. Um, Teenagers need lots of space. They need lots of alone time. But uh, the first thing I would say is don't stress out. Don't um, worry if and don't feel guilty if your teenager does need to share a room. Um, it can work well, and it is very common around the world for people to share sleeping space um, into their adult years, and and so it it can really be something that works, and it can also end up um, facilitating a lot of communication that otherwise wouldn't happen. Um, and and really help your siblings kind of share a, um, a unique bond. Um, so this is a good time to look at whether they really both are getting enough rest. So um, how much sleep did each one of them need to feel functional and happy during the day? Um, so sitting down with both of them, they're both at an age where you can sit down and just ask them, you know, how's it going? How's it going with your sleep? Are you Do you feel like you're sleeping enough? Are you tired during the day? How much sleep do you think you need? And sitting down with them, um, getting an idea of what's going on there so that you can talk with both of them about how they can uh, be respectful of the other's need to sleep. Um, It's also a good time to set some pretty clear expectations so that they know what to expect in terms of sleep. Because you might be making an assumption that your 15-year-old knows how much sleep her sister needs or that your 12-year-old is aware of the times that her sister needs to sleep. And that might not be the case. I think kids are probably less aware of what's going on in their siblings, you know, the ins and outs of their siblings' routines than you might be as a parent. So if they have, especially if they haven't been sharing a room. So talking and communicating about those times and those routines and even making a chart or a list just so that they can see. I mean, it doesn't have to be a strict schedule and they'll probably fall into a pretty good routine over time um, for sharing the space, but a little extra communication and sometimes visual communication in terms of a chart or a schedule can be helpful during the early part of the transition so that they both really know, okay, these are the times when the room is going to be quiet because this sibling is going to be winding down or they're going to be asleep. This is a time when the space is more open and and um, just really thinking about how they're going to share that space um, at, at different times during the day. Um, and then keep in mind that... Um, for your older child, for the 15-year-old, um, when they're going to want to be winding down for the night, um, that doesn't need to take place in the bedroom because your 12-year-old will probably be sleeping um, during the time when your 15-year-old is needing to wind down to get ready for sleep. So in any type of situ- in any scenario where there is a shared bedroom and there are siblings going to bed at different times. That is something to keep in mind because yes, when we think about a bedtime routine for kids, we are talking about something that is taking place mostly in the child's room. But in um, shared bedroom scenarios, we might need to be a little more creative about that. So the wind down for your 15-year-old, she can stake out some space in the living room or even a parent's bedroom um, where she can read, um, have some downtime, And that doesn't have to take place in the bedroom. Um, And then you can also talk to your 12-year-old about 
when she's waking up in the morning and ways that um, that she can maybe do some of her early morning activities that she might want to do, dressing and so forth, um, in another part of the home, maybe in the bathroom, so that she's not creating a lot of noise in the bedroom when her sister needs to be asleep. Um, and that's something to, again, talk about in advance, um, talk about those expectations, set those expectations, and then make any shifts that you need to um, so that they both are aware and kind of on board with with what's happening. Um, and this goes, and like I said, this goes the same for a younger age sibling, um, who, younger age siblings who would be sharing a room. So you would do the same thing with a four-year-old who's going to be sharing a room with their one-year-old um, sibling. You might talk about respecting um, the the nap times of the younger child, um, ways that we can be quiet, ways that we can go into the bedroom if we need to get something um, in a way that's quiet and doesn't disturb them. Um, another thing to think about for your um, your girls, since they are older, is using um, earplugs, using eye masks or um, white noise machines, things that can block the noise and help um, help them to share the space more seamlessly uh, without being disturbed, especially if one or both of them are light sleepers. Um, and there are earplugs that are specially made for smaller ears. And sometimes those take a little while for kids to get used to. They might not like the feeling of earplugs if they haven't used them before, but earplugs are relatively inexpensive and you can find foam, silicone, you can find ones that are made for swimming um, that might work well. Um, and the same is true for eye masks as well. So you can experiment with some of those things um, either before or in the early stages of the, the um, shared room transition um, so that they uh, are kind of ramped up with those things and have them on hand if they need to use earplugs that they're already um, kind of getting used to the idea. Um, and so those are my questions. Um, another thing that people often ask about is what should the bedtime routine look like for a teenager? Um, and I do reference bedtime routines. I reference sleep hygiene. And so when we talk about a bedtime routine for a teenager, um, I think one thing to, to keep in mind um, is that it can look like whatever your teenager wants it to look like. And it is about just protecting and preserving that time for sleep. Um, again, some teenagers are going to be open to quiet activities like journaling and reading um, and others less so. Um, and so it really is just about um, setting the expectation that the entire household is preparing for sleep and powering down. And oftentimes um, for teenagers, it's a shift from a childhood bedtime where they're going to bed maybe earlier than the parents to a later bedtime where they're maybe going to bed later than the parents for the first time. And so the entire household is powering down. It's talking to your teenager about respecting the needs of other people in the household who may need to go to sleep earlier. Um, it's powering down, you know, um, turning down the lights, um, setting expectations around, um, are we going to be opening and closing the fridge and getting food and going in and out? Or is the, is the kitchen going to be more off limits? And here's, here's the snacks that, that are out for you. Is it, um, we're not going to watch TV in this room because the noise is going to bother someone in, in a bedroom that's close by. Um, are we 
going to be out walking our dog at 10 p.m. or are we going to be inside the house doing more quiet activities? So it's just about setting those family expectations, talking about guidelines and routines um, that really um, move the whole entire household toward a powered down state um, and just prioritizing the the value of sleep and rest as a family, um, not just um, individually targeting your teen and saying, you need to be asleep by this time, you need to be quiet by this time, but really setting it as a family value that um, your teenager has um, grown up with and, and um, can see that it's an important family value, um, even as their, um, their biorhythms shift and their patterns shift and the times that they're asleep might shift, that the value stays in place and the value stays consistent. And then those little problems that spring up around times and wake up times and bedtimes and, and needing to be up for work and needing to maybe share sleeping space um, with a sibling, those can be worked out um, much more quickly and more easily when there is a sort of shared family value around the importance of rest and of respecting others' need to rest as well as your own personal need to rest. Um, So those are my questions, and that is my episode. I hope that this is helpful for you. Um, If there are other questions that you have about teens or um, any other question about sleep, you can get in touch with me at Malia at sleepwellstable.com. My next couple of episodes will uh, continue on this theme. Um, I do have a very exciting expert lined up for my next episode. I'm very excited. Um, It's somebody who um, uh, plays a prominent role in in writing and talking about sleep and teenagers and is one of the leading voices out there um, talking about the need for later school times, school start times, and protecting our our teens, um, our teens' sleep and and their right to sleep and and get enough rest. Until then, please sleep well and stay well. Thank you. Bye bye. It's the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. Now you know. Thanks for checking.